Today's show is brought to you by Process Freak. Process Freak is a new software program that's available for agencies um, that will help you as an agency owner take your business to the next level. And what do I mean by that? Well, we're all wanting to run our businesses in such a way where we have good, consistent, clean processes across the board from everything for how to market to a potential auto insurance customer to how to run an appointment to how we need to open the office each morning. We, we have processes for everything. And if you're anything like how I've been, I have processes that are all over the place in different Word documents and uh, different PDFs. They're kind of scattered all over the place. What Process Freak does, it's a software program that's intuitive that comes out of the box with over 200 processes that are specific to your company um, with using your company's uh, uh, processes. And so it's a great product that you can uh, help ensure that you'll have consistency across the board with all of your team members um, doing things exactly the way that you want them to be done. Essentially, what Process Freak does is it helps you um, you know, let go of some of the day-to-day -day tasks within your agency so you can take that step into being that CEO, being that person that is running the business, that's kind of keeping your eye on the on the big picture of things. And so um, I highly encourage you to check out our friends at Process Freak. You can do so by going to processfreak.com and freak is spelled with two E's, F-R-E-E-K. So processfreak.com. You can sign up there. Um, there's a 15-day free trial where you can check it out and see if it's right for you. They have an awesome team, and I, I think you'll really enjoy uh, working with them. And so if you want to take your agency to the next level and you want to kind of become that CEO, become that entrepreneur, become that agency owner that you want to be, um, I highly encourage you to check out our friends at Process Freak. Again, it's processfreak.com, and Freak is spelled F-R-E-E-K. Um, check them out. That You can sign up directly on the website. They have a, a great uh, two-week trial. Um, check it out, and yeah. Tell them that the Daily Win podcast sent you. Welcome to the Daily Win, a Today app podcast. My name is Cheyenne Tunez, and I am excited to be coming back to you guys after about a six-month hiatus. Um, we've been busy uh, working with our new clients, some of our new software programs, and so I'm super excited to be back in the podcast world with you guys today. Um, joining us on our uh, first episode back is Uptown Marketing founder and CEO Martina Brugnoni. Martina is uh, has a lot of experience over a decade of experience in the uh, marketing space and specifically the digital marketing space is an area where she has a lot of expertise. Um, she's worked with insurance agencies specifically for uh, well since 2010, so 11 going on 12 years. Um, and her and her team at Uptown, they do phenomenal work with uh, with a variety of insurance agency clients. Um, so we, Martina and I, we discuss social media. We discuss kind of the, the evolutions of social media and digital marketing in general. So I think you'll really enjoy our, uh, our conversation. So welcome back. We're again, we're excited. And with that, here's our conversation with founder and CEO of Uptown Marketing, Martina Rubnoni.
All right, guys, welcome back to the Daily Win Today app podcast. My name is Jay Antunes, and joining me today is Martina Brugnoni of Uptown Marketing. Uptown is an awesome company that does a lot of great work with State Farm agents and other insurance agents as well. They help with search engine optimization and a lot of other digital marketing spaces that we'll dive into today. So Martina, how are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I wanted to bring Martina on the show because I actually met her last week. There was a big agents convention in Nashville and Uptown, they had a presence there helping run the event and kind of make sure everything was, was, was running smoothly. And so I wanted to have Martina on because I feel like this space, this digital space is a space that we can all improve on. We all have a Facebook account and we think we know what we're doing with it, but there's a lot more nuance than just posting on Facebook. And so we're going to dive into that today. So Martina, before we we dive into what you do today, tell me a little bit about your gut in the insurance business. Yeah. So I have been around insurance my whole life. My dad's worked for State Farm since I was born. So I used to go to like take your daughter to work day. And when I was at the end of my freshman year of college, I I really wanted to go work in an office for some reason. I didn't want to go back to like the mall working my retail jobs. Right. So I started working for one of my dad's friends who was a state farm agent. And that was right around the time that digital marketing for businesses started to become a thing, you know, because social media, Facebook came out in, I want to say 2005, started to really get big in 2006. And by the time it got to be 2010, businesses were starting to pop up there. So it was just at that time where businesses were starting to pick up on social media, on the internet that I was starting in the office. So I worked there, managed the digital presence there for about five years. I did a lot more than that, but that was a big responsibility of mine. And then after that, you know, I got a little bit bored and I wanted a new challenge. I wanted to do a little bit more of the marketing side and less of the insurance side. I started working for another marketing company that's in my hometown, Rochester, New York. And when I started working there, I figured, well, I've been working with state farm agents, you know, the past five years doing this marketing for his office. And there was another person there that had been working with some agents. So I figured, all right, well, this seems like a no brainer for me to develop marketing campaigns for agents all over the country. You know, there's a lot of specifics with compliance and all that good stuff that makes it a very, very specific type of digital marketing. I always say there's tons of great marketing companies out there, but there's really not that many that know enough about certain insurance carriers. So I I was there for another five years. I, I helped build a really big insurance department. We ended up with over 10 support employees did a lot of traveling, a lot of speaking at study groups, a lot of conferences. We continued to develop and add products. And eventually I got a little bored living in upstate New York. And I decided I was going to move to Dallas literally just one day in the middle of a snowstorm. So what, what made you uh, land on Dallas? Great question. People always ask me that. So I had been traveling around so much and, you know, different study groups, different conferences. And one place that I kept landing that I really, really loved was Texas and, you know, did a little research and Dallas seemed to be the most, I guess, my vibe. Someone told me that Dallas was a very glittery city. And I think from there, I was like, okay, that's my favorite of all the, the Texas cities I could go to. Yeah. Yep. So I, I moved to Dallas and then shortly after that, you know, it was a kind of a natural time, I think, for me to go off onto my own. And so I started Uptown Marketing 
really within a day, I kind of just made a snap decision and I, I started it and here I am. <laughs> well, so it sounds, it sounds like you have a lot of confidence and trust your gut. I do. I do. And people said I was crazy. I mean, my father was like, Martina, what are you doing? Let's, let's think about this, you know, cause I was making great money. I had a great career going, but I, I do have a lot of confidence in myself. It sometimes it's steered me wrong, but in this case, I think the biggest thing I had the confidence in was about my relationships with my clients, because I knew that if I went off onto my own, they would follow me, or at least a big portion of them would. That, that I think was the, the biggest thing that I was the most confident in was the relationships with my clients. So how has that transition been for you going from employee to employer, creating your vision? It's been unique for sure, because former clients will come to me. I mean, still they do, and they want to work with me, but I think the good thing is that they almost look at me as if I'm like an agent aspirant, right? And they understand the position that I'm in now that I can't be the one managing their accounts anymore, but I think they still have that comfort knowing they're, it's my company. And I really do try to train my girls to be very, very similar to my style. One thing I'm, I'm very particular about, and I think that's why a lot of people like working with me, I'm, I'm very responsive and I really try to harp on my girls to always be extremely responsive. So there's little things that I do and, and I have always made me successful. I really try to make sure my girls are, are practicing the same habits. But I think the nice thing is that all of our clients are business owners too. So they, they understand that I'm now in the position of business owner and I have to do a lot of other things than manage their accounts in the, the way that I used to at least. Martina, what was the aha moment uh, where you saw the need for uh, assistance with digital marketing within like the agency force? So I guess there would be two moments. First was when I was working for my old boss and I saw he genuinely had no clue what to do. And if you think about our, our generation is really the first generation that grew up before the internet, but we were children when it came out. So we've grown with the internet. We are the first generation of internet users. We're more comfortable with it. So I understood that if it was between my boss figuring this out and me figuring this out, I was going to be able to do it better, faster, easier, because you know I'm more comfortable with the internet, just being in that generation. So there's that aspect of it. And then I would say when I started working with agents on a, a more broad scale, the questions that I would get are shocking. And, and we still get them just in terms of what am I paying this company for? Like the corporate vendors, they'll say, what am I doing with them? What am I, there's just such a lack of engagement in digital marketing and a lack of understanding. And it is a complex thing to understand. It truly is, especially when a lot of the conversations they're having about it are with salespeople who are saying everything's great it's pretty it's shiny this guarantee that it's not how it works you you unfortunately have to have a realistic conversation about it to truly understand it so I think just the the sheer lack of understanding with their own systems their own corporate vendor was really a big wake-up call for me early on of like okay they don't even know what their own company is doing for them they they really do need help here I feel like, especially in the social media space, but really just digital in general, like people have iPhones, you know, smartphones, they are engaging around that stuff all the time. And so it can almost create that illusion that I know what I'm doing because I mm -hmm. Google things. 
Right. Uh, <laughs> the folks that are listening that may not know, why is having a digital marketing presence important? So I, I hope there's very few people that know why it's so important right now, but I know that there is. The best way that I can, I guess, stress the importance of it, it's you have to look at digital as any other aspect of your business. You need to look at it like you would never have an insurance agency without a physical location, right? You need somewhere for your customers and your prospects to go. Well, that's one physical location and it's only reaching people at that physical location. When you think about it digital, it's still a presence. It's still some type of physical, tangible, here I am, but you can now reach so many more people in such a shorter amount of time. I mean, it's, yes, it's virtual. You're never going to have the same success, I think, as you do on in-person stuff. But if you think about it, you really should consider your digital presence and the importance of it the same way you consider your, your physical office. You know, we paint the walls nice. We add these great signs. We make sure our team doesn't look like slobs every day, right? But the, the digital side of that is, I would say, more important now. There's more people online seeing your business than there is walking into your office. Absolutely. If you Google insurance agent Nashville, Tennessee, you want to show up or an insurance agent in Nashville, Tennessee and search. So how important is it to make sure that your digital marketing and then also your more traditional marketing sponsorships and print marketing, how important is it to have those two spaces coordinated and working together? I think they're super important because there's so many ways to take your physical, like let's say you're doing a community event. There's so many ways for you to take the people you meet there and, and turn them into digital customers very, very quickly, right? You could bring a QR code sheet that scans to an email to your office or a text message to your office. You can have them email you directly from the event. So I would say really, really important. And I'm actually still a very big believer in traditional stuff. I believe, like I said, there's no greater way to connect with somebody than face-to-face, -face, eye contact, handshake, let's have a in-person conversation, but the reality is you can only be in one physical place at one time, right? With the internet, you can be everywhere at one time and you're constantly there. So yeah, I think it's super important to have those coordinate and to make sure that you're not just relying on digital either, because I, I do think the in-person stuff is just as important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that there's nothing we discussed this earlier this week about the you know the convention in Nashville last week it was so awesome just to shake hands with people you know yes and just yeah, like be be in the presence I mean Zoom is fine but it's not the same thing I mean it, it's right. better than a phone call but it's not you know you're not making those connections in the same way so Martina this is something that's come up in numerous conversations that I had with with agents and so it's something I want to talk to a marketing expert about. What is the difference between having a marketing plan and having a sales plan? I'm so glad you asked this question because this is a question that we also run into a lot and you can hit this from a lot of different angles, right? So a marketing plan and a sales plan, you could, you could look at it as people thinking, well, I'm going to hire a marketing rep and they're going to sell for me. Marketing and sales are two different skills, right? Marketing means making people aware of your product, taking it from research phase to getting it in front of the customer. 
sales means closing. Sales means there's an exchange of money. There's an agreement to do business together, right? They're two different skills. Now they work hand in hand, right? So there's that side of it. And then another thing is understanding that having a good marketing plan in place does not mean you're going to write business. And I say that with the experience of working with agents that have worked with us and have had great marketing results. They're getting leads their way, but because they don't have a strong sales team or they don't have good sales processes in their office, they're not writing business, right? Well, now is that my responsibility as the marketing person or is that your responsibility as the business owner? And what we always say to, to really set that expectation is, look, our job is to bring you opportunities. We're doing marketing for you. I can't also sit in the chair and close the business for you. I wish I could, but I can't, right? So if you don't have a strong sales team, perhaps you should consider waiting a little bit to make sure that you do before you invest into marketing because marketing really is just, you know, the pitch and then sales is swinging the bat. Did that make sense? I'm not really great with sports analogies, but. <laughs> no, that makes complete sense. Marketing is brand awareness, lead generation, mm -hmm. and it's feeding and making a strong sales team's life much, much easier. Yeah, absolutely. Martina, one of the uh, unique characteristics of Uptown Marketing is having area exclusivity. My question is, why is it advantageous for an agent to not share the same digital marketing plan as another agent in the same market? Another great question. So let's think about it. Who are your, your biggest, let's say you're an all-state agent. Your biggest competitors are not State Farm. They're not Geico. They're not Progressive. It's the other all-state agents. Why? You are selling the exact same product at the exact same price under the exact same brand. So the only thing you have as a competitive advantage is you. Okay. So think about marketing at its core. The goal of marketing is to have your product, your business, your service stand out, be the one that somebody wants to do business with. So having multiple agents that work with the same like work for the same brand, do the same marketing plan it, in the same area, it just makes absolutely no sense. It's think about if Coke and Pepsi hired the exact same marketing team and they did the exact same marketing campaign, they'd never do that, right? Because they're, right. they're competing with each other. They, they want a different strategy to be competitive. So it's, it's really the same thing. And, and it's understanding that although you are, I mean, you could look at it that your teammates, but really at the end of the day, you have to worry about what your scoring is, what your record's going to be. You are the business owner yourself. This is your business. So while the corporate efforts are, you know, they have good intentions, it's, it's physically impossible to do the same thing for multiple competitors and have one person win. So that's why exclusivity is it's mandatory in my opinion. I would never do it without it. So Martina, one of the areas that you specialize in is social media branding and just having a social media presence. If you could walk me through how that has evolved for our listeners, maybe 2010, it's, it's one thing here we are 11 years later and the game's changed completely. And I feel like it's constantly changing. So walk us through what that timeline looked like, where we are today and where you think we're going in the future as far as so maintaining a social media presence is concerned. Yeah, I think the, the biggest, to put it most simply, it's gone from 
community. So it started really as truly social media, a community, somewhere to network, communicate. And now it's how can we all make money off of this? You know, as anything with that level of traffic and exposure, unfortunately gets to, it becomes about dollars and cents because you realize the opportunity for promotion, for sales, all that. So if you think about like, let's say a business page in 2010, it was really about what's the content you're posting. Are you posting something that's going to be valuable to the people looking at it? Well, now if you post something on your business Facebook page, it's highly unlikely that a big portion of your followers are even going to see it. And the reason for that is because Facebook doesn't want businesses to get organic traffic because if they do, they're less likely to advertise. So one thing that hopefully some agents could take away from listening to this, I would say worry and stress less about what you're posting. So often we're having conversations where agents are worried about what should I be posting? How often should I be posting? When really that's not what you should be worried about because A, the people that are seeing your posts, they're people that already know you, right? So they're your clients, they're your friends and family, whatever it is, but they already know who you are, right? So it's good to, you know, maintain a presence with them. But in reality, the the whole goal of doing what you're doing is because you want to reach new people, right? So there's that. And then there's also the fact that Facebook's algorithm does not prioritize organic posts anymore for businesses with the goal of driving them to advertise. So I would, I would recommend agents learn a little bit about Facebook ads. It's something my company does. If it's something you don't want to deal with, we can help you with it. But yeah, learning about Facebook ads, boosting posts, Instagram ads, all that good stuff. So yeah, it's, it's definitely evolved from, this is a great place for us all to hang out and get to know each other and, and be friends to how are we going to make the most money off of this and who's going to make the most money off of this. That, that makes complete sense. Are you seeing more agents use LinkedIn as well? You know, I've never really been a big LinkedIn girl. I, I think that agents want to believe there's opportunity there. And I don't think it's ever going to come in the form of business. You know, it's, it's good for maybe establishing referral relationships, but I honestly don't think there's much genuine traffic on LinkedIn. I think most of it is sponsored ads. It's a lot of recruiters. So I just, I've never gotten a, a good organic response of anything off of LinkedIn. Well, LinkedIn is the only social platform my father has ever used. So shout out, <laughs> shout, shout out Ken Antunes, rocking LinkedIn. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. You know, there there is a lot of other business owners on there. So I understand the, the intent. I just, the average person doesn't wake up and scroll LinkedIn the way that we do with other platforms. You know, it's really, when you go to LinkedIn, you have a purpose. You're either promoting yourself or you're looking for a job. It's one yep. of two things. You're, you're not on there to, to hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Do, uh, I, do, is there much success with, with clients using Twitter? Mm. Twitter is something that I started for my agent when I was working for him. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's much success. No, I think that at the end of the day, you have to simplify your efforts. In my opinion, yeah. there's no agent has ever really truly succeeded digitally by investing tons of time and energy into every single platform. I think at the end of the day, Facebook, Google, Instagram are your biggest players. So just yep. focus your time, your efforts, your investments on those three. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the only the only agents I've seen have success on Twitter are ones that already had a big following before they became agents. Do you, do you see any evolution into agents 
leveraging TikTok or other video style platforms? Yes. And here's how. So I don't think that TikTok is going to be an area where you drive a lot of business, but I do think doing the TikTok style video on Instagram to just build your brand on Instagram and make you a page that people want to follow. Yes. But I, I more so mean taking the TikTok style short clips, which on Instagram would be called reels. I, I think that doing reels on Instagram is, is definitely helpful because Instagram favors reels. So if you're a business that posts reels, you make reels and you're, you're consistently using the reel platform, you're going to be shown more often in the newsfeed. You're going to get more traffic. So not necessarily the uh, TikTok dances and things like that. Exactly. The length and, and truly, I mean, one thing that I started doing more recently is taking some of the stuff that was viral on TikTok and doing it. So whether it's a dance or like some specific video clip or something like that and us adapting it and doing it our own way, it gets more traffic because it's, it's a content structure that people recognize and they're looking mm -hmm. for more styles of it. But beyond that, I don't know, you don't have to dance your insurance agents. <laughs> I mean, I'd say dance if you dance, if that's your flavor, yeah. if that, that's your thing, but. Yeah, uh, I guess if it's, I guess the biggest thing would be stay genuine to your personality. If you're not someone that's going to get up and do a TikTok dance, don't force yourself to, because it's going to come off as like, you're just trying to do it for the gram. But if you're like somebody that would do that, then yeah, do it. Uh, what about having a YouTube presence. Is that anything that you see going forward or just like a longer form video presence? Is that something that you see potentially coming in the future? I truly hope so. For a long mm -hmm. time, any type of video advertising was non-compliant, at least with one of, I mean, our primary carrier that we work with. So that was always non-compliant. It was something we always just kind of said, all right, no point in, in working that angle, but video's huge online, right? Like the, the traffic that's on YouTube is insane. YouTube's owned by Google, so they're never going anywhere. And Facebook videos, the Instagram reels, it's it's so much pushed towards video. So yeah, I do think that it's going to get bigger and bigger. And I think that as it gets bigger and bigger, the carriers that had it being non-compliant are, are going to kind of say, all right, well, we're going to lose a huge portion of internet traffic if we don't get down with this. Last question about social media. My 16-year-old loves TikTok, but also loves Snapchat. Do you see Snapchat ever having a presence kind of in the digital marketing professional space? It's funny, probably four or five years ago, I, I tried Snapchat ads with one of my agents and it, I mean, it got impressions and stuff. I wouldn't say he wrote a ton of business off of it, but that was back when Snapchat was more popular. I don't think Snapchat has a place anymore because of TikTok. I think TikTok took it over. I think between TikTok and Instagram, they're both bigger players now in the functions that Snapchat had. So I just think that, again, if we're talking about simplifying, take the, the users of Snapchat, they're all primarily on Instagram now. And I, I guess they're on TikTok now, but who knows where TikTok's gonna be in another four years. Exactly, like I, I was a Snapchat user. It came out, I think when I was in college and I thought it was the coolest thing. And then I got older and then Instagram was doing the same thing. And I'm like, eh, I don't need this anymore. You know? Right. And if, if you think about it, Facebook owns Instagram. So that's always going to be solid. You know, think about who mm -hmm. has the monopoly in these spaces, it's Google and it's Facebook. So as long as you're, you're working a platform, that's one of those two, like Google's mm -hmm. owned YouTube, Facebook owns Instagram, those four are not going anywhere. When you've got Snapchat, TikTok, 
those type of things that are kind of like there was vine like 10 years ago, you know, mm -hmm. those are a little bit more flighty because they're not the, the major players. What about Bing ads? Does Bing do ads? <laughs> is that even a thing? You I don't know, know. What's interesting is if you're in a super like saturated area, like Atlanta or something like that, mm -hmm. and you're just not having luck on Google, don't sleep on Bing. You may get a little bit from it, but it's not a primary primary area unless Google is just so oversaturated. If this was sponsored by Microsoft, we would title this episode, Don't Sleep on Bing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So a little transition here, Martina. We've all had to change our, our strategies and our business plans in the last 18 months, the last two years almost. How has the, the COVID-19 pandemic affected the way that you run your business with Uptown Marketing? So we're extremely lucky that we're doing marketing for essential businesses and insurance premiums were one of the ways that people looked to save money when they were being laid off. So there was a huge shop for insurance. So as far as our business, it didn't really impact us. We actually grew a lot in 2020, but I would say personally as a leader, it's, it's forced me to grow a lot outside of my comfort zone. I management and leadership is not something that comes as natural to me as like sales and, and client relationships does. So just being in such a time of crisis when I had no idea what was going on either. And I have to be the one that's like the cheerleader and everything's okay. We're all going to be good when really no one had any idea what was going on. I think that definitely pushed me into I almost felt like motherly, like everyone's looking to me for answers and I'm the only one they have to go to kind of thing. So personally, from a leadership perspective, it definitely forced me to grow exponentially, but business-wise, we've always been virtual. We've always been all of us working remote. I did have like a office space that we would use here and there that I ended up getting rid of, but it was something we barely used anyway. So our business model really didn't change much. I, I assume you probably had to suspend some traveling during that time. Yeah. So that's definitely one thing I would say we thrive in in-person events. We, we mm -hmm. really do. I, I know I personally do. So not having that and not having, even, even if let's say it's something we're not there, the company trips, for example, are times when people are talking to each other about marketing. That's always a big time. We get referrals is when those trips are going on because it's conversation. So there was that lull for sure. Um, personally, not being out and, and being with people in person. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm in an insane asylum when I work from home for too long by myself. It's, it's really, really tough. I think like, like anyone else would probably say it probably has just affected me personally more than our business as a whole, but we're lucky. I, I know it affected so many businesses horribly. Absolutely. And we're in the same boat. You know, we're fortunate to have been a virtual remote company. My joke is we were remote before it was trendy and cool. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. The, you know, you, you sit in the home office too long and you're going to end up banging your head against the wall if you're an extrovert. So Martina, we've talked a lot about your background. We've talked about where digital marketing was, where it is today, but let's try to pull the curtain back and predict and look to the future. How do you see marketing plans for agents evolving over the next three to five years? I think about this a lot. I think about this in my sleep. Like, you know, entrepreneurs or business owners, things keep us up at night. One of the things that keeps me up at night is where are we going next? What do I need to be figuring out next? 
I do think AI, artificial intelligence, is going to start to take a bigger play. So there's that. Another thing that is starting to be in the works that I, I don't like, but I'm hoping that it's not going to be a big deal is Google is trying to automate things more and more, meaning their ads, all that. So I, I almost feel like they're maybe going to try to automate that. It's just, there's so many fine details to it where I don't think it's, it's going to be able to work that way specifically for insurance agents. So I think more just general automation you know, Facebook automating ads, Google automating ads, or, or trying to, you know, I think their automation definitely has its place, right? We can't say that it's not effective for certain things, but there's, uh, you can't leave creativity in the hands of something that's automated. So I think when you're building a strong brand and you really want to be like an A plus marketer, you need human creativity to do it. So there's that. And then I also do feel that because of how frustrated we're all getting with how digital and virtual everything is, I actually think that there's going to be a lot more focus on more traditional stuff because we're almost missing that. Yeah. It's almost like the pandemic forced us three to five years into the future. And right. now we, we don't like, like it. Right. And we want to go back to like, oh yeah, let's shake some hands, mm -hmm. you know, and all, all of that. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to be recommending to agents because we do consulting just for their overall strategy. And I'm hugely recommending community events, get back out in the community because everybody wants to be out. Everybody wants to be in person and think about how much customer service as a whole has plummeted. There's no service level anywhere anymore. So the value of an agent is quadruple where it was before because it's one of the, the last services left standing where you have an actual human being to talk to. So take advantage of that. Do you see ways that agents can leverage automation in a good way for themselves? I only ask, I debate myself on that exact topic about automation all the time. Yeah, I, I do. And I don't, I guess like for me, automation is valuable when it's a mundane thing that requires no thought. Like, I don't know, administrative stuff I think should be automated. When you're talking yeah. about sales, marketing, anything that requires creativity, personality, like that's not where you want to automate. Agreed. I, I, I see that the future is almost leveraging automation as a way to distribute your creativity more effectively. Yeah. Absolutely. That makes sense. So. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. All right. So Martina, one question that we ask all of our guests is uh, all of our guests tend to own a business of some sort, whether it's an insurance agency or some sort of company that's supporting the industry. So we work with a lot of entrepreneurs and a common characteristic amongst entrepreneurs is that they're big on self-development. So what's a book or class or podcast or another resource that you would recommend to our listeners for their own self-development? Okay. So I would have two answers to this. Cause I, I think there's two areas of self-development as a business owner, you look at your leadership side, and then you look at just your sales side. You always have to have that sales and just general side of it. For me, leadership doesn't come naturally to me. I'm a player. I'm not a coach, but I'm in a coach's position now. So for me, having a, a business coach has been huge to me because I almost miss having somebody to answer to. I have, I miss somebody telling me good job. I miss somebody saying, 
you know, here are your goals. Now I have something that I want to achieve, right? Because I want to impress my coach next time I talk to her. So I personally use Rendy Black. She's former, very high up in insurance company, but there's tons of great coaches. You know, we were just at Tim's conference from Tim to Steve Wilmer to Ann Cohen. I mean, you could spend the next five years using different business coaches and you'd probably be a billionaire at the end of it because you'd have so much just success absorbed into your brain from all of them. So I think if you're somebody that came out of an agency and you were like a, a top sales producer and now you're struggling with the isolation of being the business owner and you don't get like the pat on the head from anyone anymore, like I do, I would say a business coach is great. I love also, I'm going to show you this because I have it right here. I have this book in my office and it's my favorite book. It's from 1948. It's called The Fundamentals of Selling. So hear me out, hear me out. I love going back to the basics, right? So if this was in 1948, if you read some of the stuff in this book, it's things that we would teach our team now. So it really reminds you of the basics of sales is just listening. It's, it's present a problem, identify a solution. It, there's so much that's basic to sales and thinking of it this way versus getting caught up in, you know, this lead, this closing ratio, this, mm -hmm you know, all the different processes and systems that you have now getting back to the basics is a huge, huge refresher for me, for my team. And I, I think again, like we've been saying this whole conversation, we're all craving a little bit of what we used to have, which was more in person, more fundamentals, more just genuine human connection. And, and that's what that book is a lot of. So even if you don't get that book in particular, just getting like a really, really old sales book or an old business book that was written in like the forties or the fifties. Cause the, the well, fundamentals are the same. I love that. I think that's the first book that we've had recommended pre cold war. That's fantastic. Actually <laughs> folks listening may be, may actually come back. Well, actually cold war started, you know what I'm trying to I say know, right? <laughs> early, early 20th century. Well, Martina, it's been an absolute pleasure. How can our listeners um, contact you and your team if they're, if they want to learn more about your services? Yeah. So you can find us on social media, Uptown Marketing on Facebook, Uptown Space Marketing on Instagram. Our website is just www.uptownmarketing.com. If you want to email me personally, it's just martina at uptownmarketing.com. Awesome. We'll include all of that in our show notes. So uh, if you're listening, you can look at the show description and you'll uh, be able to be able to reach out to Uptown at your convenience. Well, Martina, thank you so much for your time and I hope you have an awesome thank day. Thank you so much. This was great. I'm so glad we did this. All right, and that was our conversation with founder and CEO of Uptown Marketing, Martina Brignoni. Martina brought a lot of energy. She brought a lot of really great information just when it comes to the area of marketing. So if you liked what you heard and if you're interested in working with Uptown Marketing, um, there's two ways you can reach out to them. First, you can go to their website at uptownmarketing.com and they have all of the information of all the services that they provide there. You can also email Martina directly at martina at uptownmarketing.com. And that information is available in the show description as well. 
So thank you all so much for listening. Again, I'm so happy to be back after about a six-month hiatus. Um, very, very excited to be back in the podcast game. We will be back in two weeks with uh, with my conversation with co-founder of Legacy Par- Future Legacy Partners, Wendy Smith. So you won't want to miss that. So again, thank you all so much, and I hope you have a fantastic day.